On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I are joined by one of our good friends, legend in the DFS world, Peter Jennings, and we talk through his background and the future of DFS and sports betting generally. And then we get to learn about why Rufus is such a terrible traveler, making bad decisions, minus EV decisions his entire way from Vegas to New York. And so with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line Welcome to the latest episode of the Bet the Process podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Ma. I'm the the host. I think I, I think I'm the host, right? Like, and and you're the co-host, or you're yeah. the you're the guest. And I'm joined by Rufus Peabody, as always, who is a professional better, the most feared golf better in the world. Um, but now is what are you up to these days? You're you're in New York. You're you got exposed brick in your in your condo. You kind of like living the hippie life or the hipster life, rather. Yeah, yeah. I'm in New York City again. I was here last fall and I'm, I've returned this fall, but, but planning on getting a place a little bit more, a little more long-term. So, although I might be seeing you next weekend or next week, if you, uh, if you convince me to get, get my ass back out to Vegas. Yeah. Well, we join you guys every week and um, try to give you insight from two people that had some level of success gambling in their lives. Um, Rufus is a professional sports better. I was fortunate enough to be portrayed in a movie by a white person. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's all in a good day's work. So how has your week been Rufus? Did you have a good week weekend? Did you bet a lot and win a lot? Yeah, actually it was, it was a good bounce back weekend in terms of college football, for sure. We, mm-hmm. we know, also have very good second half. So I wonder if we were on similar things. Oh, I, I did not. We didn't. It was also the first weekend. I didn't bet college football second halves. I've retired oh, okay. from the second half game. And it, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it was great. I got to spend my Saturday like actually being out and about and learning how to tie a bow tie. So you, you know, never knew how to tie a bow tie? Things. No. Like, I mean, I've every single time I have to do some YouTube video on it and it takes 45 minutes and there's frustration and actually, it was the reason I was late to the blackjack ball. So, got it. And the blackjack ball was awesome. I've I've always wanted to go. I was going to try to go this year, but um, wasn't really able to because of other prior prior commitments. The blackjack ball was incredible. Like it was, I feel very honored to have been invited. It was the first year they invited sports betters there, so I I got to meet some very very legendary um, sports betters who you know. I think there are three billionaires there. So like it was, you know, people that I really look up to and have a ton of respect for. Um, I got to sit at a table with Roxy um, at dinner, which was nice. And Roxy, who we've actually, you and I have both um, had drinks with and had on the podcast. Remember that time we did it uh, at the Cosmopolitan back, what, maybe two years ago? Yeah, it was amazing. Roxy's a fantastic guy. There was, you know, I just had, I I saw a lot of great people. a lot of people that were sort of pioneers in, in the sort of the AP world. So I just was kind of in awe of the intelligence of everybody there. 
Yeah. Well, that's cool. I've heard I've heard that's an amazing thing. Um was was uh was your advantage player other friend there? Uh who's that? <laughs> no. <laughs> so what was your most tilted moment of the weekend? I I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. Ooh. Okay. So I oh, and also we should the... review by the way what what was your what was your NFL pick last week and your pick of the week? Oh, oh god. I think it was the Saints, but I hope it wasn't. <laughs> it's I think funny it that you Saints, didn't even though. know. Yeah, we, it's funny that we came and track it after one week. We'll have to go back and listen. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I remember it was Rutgers covering plus 41, and they did. One and oh, baby. I think I gave out, say, I, I said Saints on some NFL podcast I was on. Got it. So you're like, kind of like McIntyre. I was going to be say, you're, like J- you're like J Mac. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to get forced- him on as a guest, by the way. And so that'll, it'll be fun to have him on and I'll try to be nice. Not too nice. Now, though. now I understand what it's like to be forced to give out a pick. It's hard. It's hard, but I, yes, Rutgers did cover. Uh, and so what, what, what was your pick again? Mine was the Patriots plus plus whatever. Nine How do you 10. feel? What's, what's the debrief on that? Did you get CLV? Huh. Was it the right side? Um, I, I think for sure it was the right side. I mean, I think the line was too high and, um, I don't remember what it was. I, I bet it really early in the week when it was 10 and a half and it went down to nine and a half. So I had definitely had CLV. I don't remember what it was when I gave it out on the pod, but it was, it was probably only nine and a half. So I probably didn't get any CLV. So, but we're a combined two and O. Oh. We are combined two. Oh. Is... If you actually did give out Rutgers. I, I it... definitely did. I remember cause I gave a college pick. I'm a hundred percent. Listen to us. We're such touts. It's amazing. Um, okay, so let's go back to the tilted moment. What was your most tilted moment of the week? I was going to say maybe trying to tie a bow tie, but that was probably when I was most frustrated. But I would say the mo- the moment that would be most tilting was was my whole flight ordeal getting to New York City from Las Vegas, which... First off, I booked a flight with a connection and I know like, you know, you can make fun of me all you want, but I'm cheap in certain areas. And I was, it was $200 and it would have been like $800 nonstop. And uh, so my initial flight was delayed. We were on the plane because the flight was quote too heavy. So they had to like find some larger people to take off the plane, I guess. Um, And then we got to DCA, which was the connecting airport like an hour and 40 minutes late, but luckily, and so I got in at like 11 something PM. And the only reason they'd already rebooked me on a flight for the next morning, but luckily the flight to LaGuardia was actually delayed like 90 minutes. So I actually made it on. But when I got there, my golf bag was still in DCA. So, um, and the thing is my golf bag also had my toiletries because I wanted to pack toiletries bigger than three ounces. And so I was without a toothbrush and toothpaste that first night when I got to my Airbnb at like 1.30 freaking a.m. There, there are so many things about this story that make me question your intelligence. Well, Jeff, like, Jeff ultimately, actually, the idea of checking your toiletry bag, it, it, I, it, that's I insane. I put my toiletries in my golf bag. That's what I did. Yeah, but you checked it. Like, well, you never check anything that's essential to, like, that you can't have, right? Nothing is essential. All right. Nothing like, is truly in my toiletry bag or my in my toiletry bag are my contacts. So See, if I don't I have, have my vision. contacts, I'm effed, right? 
well, that you're lucky you have good vision. No one likes a bragger. Well, Jeff, I happen to be sitting across the aisle from a mental and spiritual healer coach person. I don't know what, like something like that, um, who I had a great conversation with. And actually at the end, he like guided me on a meditation and like we landed. I didn't even realize we landed. His hand was like, it must've looked really weird to people. Cause he's like talking to me, his hands on my shoulder um, when we landed. But, but I, I learned, I learned about like, freeing myself from negativity and how my, the things that are stopping me, like I, I learned the cut, like I had to put colors and smells to things. It was in, in, I was able to, we were trying to access my unconscious mind. It was, you know, it was, it was very interesting. And I actually quite enjoyed it. I'm not even sure what to say to all this. I, yeah, I, I thought you would love it. So what was your tilted moment? My tilted moment is literally every time you talk about how you don't want to come to Vegas for the G2E and like how you don't like how you're trying to use any excuse not to go when there's going to be dinner with like some of your closest friends that I'm putting on and you are making an excuse that you don't want to go. It's pretty tilting every time you do that. I I want to be there for the dinner, but I don't want to have to travel to Vegas and back. You realize it's not hard from New York to Vegas. There are, Okay, it's tax there's week. So, there's there's so much counter here. It's easier to travel if you take a direct flight. If you don't check bags, if you don't check toiletries, right? It's just <laughs> easier. This is all easier stuff. You can make your life like do you know how many direct flights there are from New York City to Las Vegas? I mean, this isn't like you're flying a to lot. like yeah, you're not flying to like some remote place in Tennessee, okay. right? So it says the person who has the cheap internet at his house that keeps breaking up. This is not my house. This is a rental house, unfortunately. This is not my cheap internet. Where are you? Maybe I'm renting a house right now because we're redoing our house. Oh, okay. This is like a, yeah, this is like the bane of my existence right now. How long is the renovation going to take? And how is that not your most tilted moment? Oh, well, I mean, it's not the moving is, I don't know. Anyways, um, that's my tilted moment. And hopefully Rufus will make it to G2E. And if any of you listeners are out there and want to take Rufus's spot at the dinner, just maybe, you know, DM me or something and we'll let you take Rufus's spot. Oh, Jeff, I also had, I had lunch yesterday with a, a Twitter, someone who has been, who has trolled me a lot on Twitter over the years, but he turned out to be. He turned out to be a really nice guy in person. And if anybody who was can it? guess who, I'll reveal that next week. How's that? People can try to guess. Wow. If you listened. There's a lot of people that to, troll you, you on Twitter. So It's true. So this, this should be, this is a tough question. Okay. Uh, well, let's bring in our guest, uh, Peter Jennings. Um, and uh, we will join you guys on the flip side. Rufus and I now welcome in one of our favorite guests, one of our good friends, uh, the immortal Peter, Peter Jennings. That was a sounded like a question. Um, Peter, so we have to share, we, we assume that we've gotten all these amazing new listeners this season. So we have to like reintroduce people that come. So we're going to reintroduce you to the Bet the Process seven listeners. Um, and so where did you kind of get your start in this industry? And I know it was around DFS and you and I met uh, awkwardly in a weird hotel in Bristol when we were both doing <laughs> stuff for ESPN. I don't know if you remember that, but we're sitting at a bar and I was like sweating college second halves on my computer and you were getting ready to do daily fantasy, but give us a little bit of your background and how you got into this world. 
yeah, that was a fun time with Matthew Berry. Uh, shout out to Matthew Berry as well. Um, R.I.P. Oh wait, no, 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 he's around still. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, DFS was uh, really kind of the the big uh, start to kind of my career in sports. Had a poker background. Thought I had it figured out in college, making you know not crazy money, but more money than I could make from like a salaried job playing online poker. Uh, that got shut down right as I graduated. Black Friday happened like months after I graduated. And so I took a job as a stockbroker. I uh, was always looking for something entrepreneurial and fun. And DFS like just started to become a thing. Um, like the biggest prize pools, like you could win like 25K, 50K, maybe on the NFL Sundays. And I was fortunate enough to qualify for the FanDuel Football Championship, which had like the first over $100,000 prize pool. So I qualified for that, quit my job as I qualified for it to kind of pursue daily fantasy. And um, yeah, was was there when the market was really inefficient. Uh, did some stuff with DraftKings. Was fortunate to win uh, a million bucks when uh, DraftKings was just starting to to grow. And that's why I was doing stuff at ESPN. Uh, was I was I was a brand ambassador for DraftKings, and uh, yeah, just playing DFS. And it was a really good run until maybe 2018, 19, uh, when I think the games got a lot more efficient. But um, yeah, DFS got me into sports betting and. Always been a huge fan of the pod and excited to be with you guys tonight. Where where were you? Um, when were you a fantasy guy, like a regular fantasy guy before, or did, was your first foray into daily fantasy? Yeah, I was obsessed with it. And then when I first saw DFS, I was like, oh, this is perfect. So much like online poker. You know, I think everyone had a lot of hubris, you know, playing these fantasy leagues against people who didn't care. Of course, it was easy to win. Um, so I it was like right up my alley. I thought it was super fun. And people were legit like horrible. Uh when like 2012, 13, 14. I mean, people would play guys who were out. Who were out. Um, there's just there's really no content or tools out there, so it, it was just a really, really inefficient market. And I think anyone um, who applied themselves there could could do pretty well. And how did you when you um, got into daily fantasy and you were sort of like, you know, winning all these things and whatnot? Then, then how did you decide to start a company around this? Because ultimately, you started you started uh, Fantasy Labs, right? Yeah. So I just had like a really good sequence of luck, honestly. Um, in 2014, I won that. It was DraftKings first life finals in the Bahamas. I won the million bucks. DraftKings was doing all these commercials. They were using my name and likeness. Um, so, you know, I was getting within DFS. A lot of people knew kind of what I was up to. And uh, DraftKings was starting to become like a national thing. So I wanted to to build something um, kind of around that. I thought there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of people are doing content. And of course, like I saw the business side as like the really big opportunity. Um, I worked for a competitor. I worked for Star Street with a mutual friend of ours, Jeremy Levine. Um, I was always really interested in like the business side of DFS. So I thought there was more like in 2014, I thought there's the most opportunity to make money just from like playing. But I thought I could parlay playing plus like a third party picks and shovel site um, to, to basically capitalize on the opportunity. And how did uh, describe what Fantasy Labs was and then a little bit around like, I think one of the things that you guys kind of got known for, at least I've used you for, is like the sort of breaking news on injuries and whatnot. How are you guys able to establish that? Because obviously with sports betting becoming legal, that type of information being timely becomes even more valuable. Yeah, no, that's something we were super fortunate with. Uh, we brought in Justin Fan, who had been doing a lot of the news already. And we established these uh, news channels with uh, another good buddy, Jay Pearson, uh, one of our first employees at Fantasy Labs. And uh, 
yeah, the news was just absolutely massive. They really built a, a following specifically in basketball. Uh, they're now operating the underdog channels, which I know we'll talk more about just news and how important that is to the betting and fantasy industry. But uh, yeah, fantasy labs was something I'm really proud of. Um, you know, most people were just doing like basic content touting fantasy picks, which uh, we can talk about some, but I do think touting fantasy is like one of the, the, the sweet spots, like stock touts get hammered, sports betting touts get hammered, crypto touts, everything like fantasy. Our guy, Matthew Barry is like a fantasy tout. Like, I don't know. I think there's um, it's, it's kind of a sweet spot because there's game theory and different things, but uh, everyone was doing the same thing. And, and we were, we were trying to do something different, Jonathan Bales and I, and we got connected with the sports insights crew, which had the background in betting. And that was a huge part of my process in like 14, 15 was I thought I was leveraging uh, betting data more for, for DFS, which I don't think a lot of people were doing. And uh, we basically productized that and built, it's cliche to say, but like the Bloomberg for DFS, you could build models and, and have different inputs for what you wanted to use. And um, really, we're just focused on providing analytics, projections, things of that nature, ultimately optimizers uh, for DFS. Got it. And when you think about um, the opportunity going forward now, you mentioned underdog, you mentioned that 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 operation is still going. Do you think there's an opportunity to take that type of like timely news and you know injury information whatever exogenous factors feed into um the output of a game whether it's you know like um lineups and things like that to repackage it specifically as a betting product i mean it's interesting right like i, I think for sure there was a huge edge right like you know when we first started doing the nba stuff i would i would you know i'd bet some of that stuff and it's pretty easy to get the lines now it's like the markets are moving so fast. Obviously, there's certain people like Woj and Schefter that have news ahead of others, but I still think there's value in aggregating it. I, I think there might be opportunities to productize it in more niche sports. And I think college sports, honestly, is a really big opportunity. Um, I mean, I know you guys like to follow college football, bet college football. Uh, to me, there's still a lot of information edge there. And you have to really dig deep, like you have to you know, go through forums. And sometimes you find like social media posts of people who are like in classes with the athletes. Like it's a, it's a much more um, challenging thing to cover and aggregate news for some of those sports versus like the NFL, NBA. Like that's so um, it's gotten really efficient. And obviously the fantasy labs and uh, now the underdog guys are covering it really well, which I think um, the edge embedding has kind of gone away for like the mainstream sports. Yeah, so you guys I think, think it. Well, I, I, I mean, I think what's interesting is you mentioned like Woj, and you know, one of the sort of most notorious bets this year has been the NBA draft, right? Where yeah. Woj was almost incentivized because he wanted to be right, and he actually misinformed people, right? In the end, like because he was the, you know, like the Apollo bump. What is his last name? Bunch bunch. I can't even think of his last name. The guy that ended up going first, Paulo. Oh yeah, Paulo, yeah. I so can't pronounce yeah. it there. Yeah. So Justin, uh, our 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 um, fantasy tout that we let in our Calcuttas was very into him being the number one pick, right? And, you know, like there was a lot of information that said he was, but didn't Woj come out and almost like misleaded everyone with, with who he said was going to be the number one pick, right? And so there's still a lot of opportunity. I mean, that's obviously a, a very specific market, but there's a lot of information and misinformation still out there. Yeah, and I think there's huge information edges to be clear, but like you used to be able to just print money by 
Um, LeBron James is out. You see it, you know, there used to be minutes between like fantasy labs, tweeting it out and like the lines moving. And a lot of that stuff, like who's in, who's out, like markets are moving within like seconds. And they're also way more prepared than they used to be. Um, Cause a lot of people are doing a lot of the work around injuries. And of course there's still, I mean, I think that you can have, you can have an edge um, especially with some of like in the NFL, you know, maybe the lineman injury, Injuries aren't priced in the way they should be. I still think there's opportunity, but it's not like it used to be. Uh, but I do still think there's a ton of edge in some of the niche sports. Like I know guys grinding NBA preseason right now for both DFS and betting. And I think there's a huge information edge there. Um, it's just not as liquid of a market. I think one thing that really surprises me is as there's like holes right now. And like one of the things I think I'm I'm interested in right now is I think about what the next things I do in my life are are like, where are the opportunities in sports media broadly? And, um, you know, like I'm in this ridiculous uh, baseball sim league. And in that sim league, we we draft guys that are like, you know, in a ball or whatever. And if I do Google searches on these guys, or even some of the players like in baseball that are, you know, like if you do a, a search and say February, or, or Mark, it's hard to find any information about some of these very niche players, right? And I know maybe that it's because like no one is as much of a nerd as I am and is doing these baseball sim leagues or whatnot. But it does seem like if there were almost like a Wikipedia or a fantasy uh, or, or a baseball reference that was a little bit better structured for people to leave user-generated content on some of these more niche players, you could create a better subset or a better superset of information about all the players in the world because there isn't a great source right now for all the players in the world unless i'm missing it i mean yeah i don't know Go for golf rufus i, I think mean, that you... information is out there for baseball for sure what's that you have i think it's out there for baseball it's it's not as easy as you think like when you google these guys there there's like very very you know like you'll go to like a roto world or a roto wire and their last update was like Okay, so where do I go, Rufus? So, the, like, so are you talking about like the baseball, Amer- baseball America? There's MLB Pipeline, Fangraphs. They all have their pro- their their prospect ratings. They're you know, so MLB right, Pipeline they, has an organizational rating thirty deep per team. But you're saying well, so, it doesn't so I'm not mid-season. Rufus. I'm not. I'm I'm so, so prospects for sure. There's information about. I'm not talking about prospects. I'm talking about if you want the latest, like this year going into this year, I want to know the latest on what's happening with Brandon Drury, right? Brandon Drury was a guy that was a journeyman who, you know, happened to make camp and has had like a reasonable impact on baseball this year. But if I'm looking for information about him in February or March, there's nothing telling me that he's like has a chance to break camp and like, you know, like there's a there's 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 no source updated that of, of these like, you know, zips third, projections. What's that? Zips projections. Those update. But that doesn't have any. I mean, does that like? Okay. I, don't, I, mean, I mean, look, look, I think baseball is saturated with that. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Well, I what about may, maybe, what? maybe you just don't know where, like, maybe it's just not on your radar and, and there's not one central source. You're right about that. Well, how about, how about college? How about even pro football? I feel like even on the pro football side, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the top or second or third, I'm talking about like the fourth or fifth string guys that you're trying to figure out anything about, like, again, like I'm in some of these super deep fantasy leagues where you're like really down, like there's one league I'm in a dynasty league where we roster 
over 30 players. So you're just going so deep in some of these guys. And I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. So you guys teach me where I look to get the latest update on like the fourth string running back in preseason on some of these, on some of these teams. I don't think the teams know themselves what they have or don't have with a lot of these guys. Right, Peter. Yeah. And then some, I mean, so a lot of it just comes down to like their college pedigree and you can look at that, but yeah, like how they improved. You haven't seen them play in a while. Like they've just been like journeymen on like practice squads and stuff like that. Yeah. And to me, I, I love that stuff. I think like PFF has done a really good job. Um, I think the information game is only going to continue to to grow. Um, more and more people are looking at all these different things and it's cool. I mean, what, what Rufus you've done with golf, I mean, you have a database of so many different players from all these different tours. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I think people are going to continue to product productize stuff like that. I mean, what data golf has done in your world is really interesting. I want to see that done in tennis. Um, and I agree just like even more information on these guys in football, I think is, is super interesting. So, and I, I do think from like just strictly a betting perspective, like really digging into like the college stuff to me is still, one of the more inefficient and like liquid markets. Like that's the nice thing about college football is you can actually, you can get real volume um, on a lot of these things. Well, with the transfer portal now, the way it is, it's going to become even more important for people and, and teams to know a lot about these college football players that they may not have a ton of data on. Yeah. Like if a couple key linemen are out, like it's almost impossible to find out information. I'm like, Oh, who's coming in? Like how good are these guys versus, you know, like it's, even quarterbacks sometimes. And I've seen that a ton this year. I feel like live betting this year, the thing that's been the most painful is I've lost so much money against third string quarterbacks, just like crushing my dreams uh, in some of these second halves. But uh, yeah, it's, you don't know a lot about some of them too. You know, you have like a little bit of information on some of their college experience or what they did in high school. But yeah, I, I think getting better into the information game would be really helpful. I think what's interesting is this makes me think of my days at LVSC and Kenny White's spreadsheets where he had ratings of like backup players on high school teams, you know, so he was, I I don't know where he was getting it all, but, but very detailed binders of, you know, he knew the third string linebacker at Penn state and what, you know, how Mm -hmm. good this guy was going to be. Yep. So, I mean, I think the thing is, is there becomes more information available. It, there becomes less alpha to be had from having better information. As you, as Peter, you mentioned earlier. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? It makes markets more efficient, which in the end doesn't benefit sharper, better people that are willing to put in that effort. It kind of levels the playing field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean, these markets are going to get more liquid and, and uh, they're just going to continue to get more efficient. I think we always say that about everything. And that's what's funny is I, you know, I was talking about DFS and I'm not going to name the specific person, but I really feel like I was there during the glory days um, there's a ton of really smart people, much better players than me now. I still play for fun. Um, I had a good year last year. I had bad years before, whatever. Like it's for fun. It's, I, I just want to say I've seen I've seen this guy sweating college football DFS. Yeah, He's I go like, back in college donkey, football. It's fun. Why'd you do that? Like it's yeah. it's 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 fun to watch Peter sweat the games. I'm still I'm I love I love DFS, but uh, you know I'm saying how inefficient it was and how much harder it's gotten now. And I heard from a pretty reputable source that the best player last year made over $10 million. So like, there's still a huge opportunity. There's still guys who are making millions of dollars a year playing DFS. Um, it's just gotten a lot harder. And, and the people have gotten way more sophisticated that are, that are doing well. And I, I have pretty high conviction on that guy who I, I've seen him around and saw a lot of his scores last year. Um, 
impressive that that there's you know at this stage and i'm sure like five years from now we'll be like oh dfs markets were so inefficient relative to where they are now in 2022 how much so you you said you saw that this guy made 10 million how much like do you think his process was worth 10 million there i mean obviously i don't know how much you know about that but he's playing a ton of volume it's easy to say like oh this guy did really well he's the best but in reality we know how much variance there is and you have to hit totally big caches that there's going to be a lot of luck in to right. be at the top. Right. And, and this person's been a, a top five, 10 winner for the last five, six years, but even longer than that past, past decade, basically. Um, and has been in the conversation as like the, a top player. And I think last year just obviously ran good, um, but had, I was just blown away at that number. I know a lot of guys who have made four five, six, seven million dollars. you know, that, um, but never that, that $10 million number I've never heard before. So, you know, these markets are still getting more efficient. I think betting's getting harder, but there's still people out there that are just crushing. You mentioned, Peter, that you are, are you doing a lot more betting these days? You, like real betting, not DFS? My volume has plummeted in 2022 relative to 2021, unfortunately. Uh, I'm still betting, but just not, not the same scale that I was last year. Uh, had some really good outs last year. Um, Colorado was just such a good place to be with every single sports book offering huge bonuses. And there are books that had bad pricing that would let me, let, you know, let people blast off and uh, promotions have kind of slowed down a little bit. I think the markets have gotten more efficient and uh, yeah, just haven't, haven't gotten the same amount of volume, but definitely betting on, on Saturdays and Sundays and, and looking for edges where I can find them. Where, where would you say your edges are coming from? Are they coming from reading markets? Are they, are you originating? What's, what's the, a little bit yeah, of everything? The only thing that historically we've originated is, is, is a lot of that news stuff and then trying to get really into some of the news. Um, so that, that's the only origination, which is a small percentage of the, the bets. Um, there was a lot of, last year, just strictly line shopping, having no opinion, no access to any information, just line shopping in Colorado with some of these books, um, specifically line shopping for sharper books, was one of the easiest ways to make money. Um, obviously, use the unabated stuff. Uh, you know, I've been looking at the Deck Prism live odds for a long time. I still think there's opportunity to grind those markets, but um, it's just not as significant as it was last year, where there are some really, really square lines. Um, so that 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 aspect's dwindled, and just working with. Uh, some fewer partners. I think some people, I don't know. I don't know what, 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 what exactly is last year was just kind of a, a golden, golden year uh, in terms of volume. I think um, some of these books going away has really limited the optionality for, for our group. Do you think, um, and we talked a little bit about underdog. It'd be great to talk about underdog sports because I think it's an interesting evolution of sort of DFS and eventually to prop betting, potentially an on-road into sports betting. Um, where do you think that 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 the market goes there in terms of um, you know DFS players becoming prop betters, et cetera? And even like one of the we, you mentioned Matthew Berry. I mean, we're going to probably have him on uh, either next week or the week after and talk through a little bit because he's trying to evolve what he does from fantasy into sports betting. And um, you know, I, I I think that process um is challenging to evolve that but i would be curious to hear what you think and, and sort of like how you think about that world yeah no tons of topics this is like one of my favorite things um full disclosure investor and underdog super biased you know jeremy levine the, the chairman's one of my close friends and 
Um, you know, we got Mark Cuban and a bunch of people involved in the business. So uh, that uh, being upfront about that bias, uh, I love what they're building. Um, they have a vision of building out like a game studio. So right now, uh, the best ball format is absolutely exploded. I don't know. Have you guys done a best ball draft yet? I never have myself now. It's so freaking great this year. So this year I did like 600 drafts and years past one year. I did like thousands when it was draft. How, uh, wait, this how, year, did, how did Ashley feel about that? She wasn't too happy. It's super time consuming um, to do that many to do like thousands this year. I probably invested a little bit more time than I should have, but I just think they're so fun. Um, and you can invest very little time. You draft and you're done. Um, and that format has just exploded. They had that $10 million tournament, uh, $25 to enter, and uh, you draft and you're done for the season. And it's just such a great way to, to play fantasy. And um, that format, I think, is, is here to stay, and I think that will continue to grow. In addition, they have, like, these pick'em games that, you know, you talked about, Jeff. I think um, props are becoming a huge market. Um, you know, there's a lot of services out there. They're doing um, projections and picks and, you know, there's, there's a, the, the prop market is definitely a, a big market and the spin that underdog and prize picks competitor have has gotten really, really popular where basically you have these player props and you can parlay them. So underdogs, big one, um, you can do five and I believe it pays 20 X um, if you get all five, right. And of course, if they had perfect, uh, matchups, it, it would only, you know, it should be like 32 to one. Um, but there are people who are winning in those. Um, but I do think overall, it's a really good product for, for underdog. Uh, so long-term, I think that they should continue to do more games. We all love Calcutta's. I hope that the people do call Cal- Calcutta's well. Um, I'm really bullish on like pools, pick them, survivors, more peer-to-peer games. And then, yeah, hopefully underdog and some of these companies can innovate in the sports betting space. I mean, that's what I think is really exciting is, is, you know, what does sports betting look like um, five years from now, 10 years from now? And I think that some of these new operators uh, will push the envelope and try different things. And I'm hoping underdog can figure out some of uh, those innovative games. Yeah. I, I think the idea of where innovation comes from a product standpoint in sports betting is going to be really interesting, right? There's like the angle that I think, Rufus and I have talked a little bit about with like, you know, exchanges and things like that, but that's not necessarily innovative on the pure product side where they're offering like something that's a different sort of experience versus like, you know, obviously exchanges are innovative. I'm not saying they're not. Um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see who pushes the envelope because we know it's not really going to happen from the DraftKings and the FanDuel's of the world. Cause they're so, um, they're so, uh, you know, thinking about land grab, thinking about opening new markets, and they're also just thinking about protecting the businesses they have right now versus like, I think really innovating. I guess FanDuel's biggest innovation has been same game parlays, right? That's that's, that's what I was just going to bring up. And so same game parlays is, is genius. Um, it's such a good product. And I think that there's components that I have conviction on that'll be part of the innovation. Um, but it's hard, like figuring out what that's going to be. But people love lottery type payouts. So, you know, DraftKings really exploded when they started offering a million dollars to first for low buy-ins. Uh, the same game parlays people absolutely love. It's a quick sweat um, and you can get these big odds and people love parlays in general. So um, that's a really interesting product. I hope that over time, you know, I know Rufus, you've looked at some of, some of the the VIG on some of these is just like stealing, but um, hopefully I do think there's a really interesting concept there. And I, I, the thing I'm excited about is like some form of peer to peer. Like I love the sports betting championship. 
Uh, I don't know if there's some bad memories there, but um, I love that format. Like that to me is so interesting. And like, I think we've ripped on this, the, the three of us, like, I'd love to see like a Monday night football, like a live betting poker tournament style thing. Like you have to, every bet you make has to be right. If you miss a bet, you're out, you know, put in a hundred bucks, winner gets a hundred grand at the end or whatever. Like, I'm hoping we see more stuff like that, where there's like the sports betting angle, but there's also some peer to peer. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of challenges and, uh, you know, I, I do agree that it's hard for, especially like MGM Caesars, um, some of these like big casinos, they're not going to be at the forefront of innovation. Um, and FanDuel and DraftKings obviously have a lot going on now. So it's going to be a lot easier for the underdogs of the world, the prize picks, better pools, another one, um, to innovate, um, going forward. I, I do think the concept of the innovation coming out of the DFS world or the fantasy world is, is interesting, right? Because it does make sense. Cause it's like not as regulated. It's like, there's more incumbents that already have licenses and things like that. Um, so there's just more of, there is more of an opportunity there, I think for them to innovate. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what potentially comes out of that. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about sort of the, potentially predatory nature of same game parlays from a standpoint of the amount of VIG that they keep. I mean, does that bother you guys or, you know, cause like if you, if you watch like Neil Greenberg right now on, on Twitter, he's constantly talking about like how parlays are so bad and all this kind of stuff. And like, I do think that a lot of recreational betters just really like the payout structure and the simplicity of same game parlays and whatnot. And so you know, obviously we want everyone to be as educated as possible because we don't want people to lose money as you know quickly and we want games to be as fair as possible. But, you know, what is the responsibility of the books to make those parlays as fair as possible? So if you just want to take a macro look, and I, you guys have talked about this a lot and I love, this is the stuff that I'm really passionate about. So I, you guys have had a lot of nuanced conversations, different views. And like, to me, the underlying value and the most important thing in sports betting is the entertainment. The entertainment factor is like hands down, like the value prop of like the ecosystem. So that needs to be like the same game parlay checks that box in a big way. It's a great user experience. It's fun. People love lottery type payouts. And I think that that's like enhancing the entertainment value. However, over time, you can't just like totally gouge people. And I think there's all these different other, you know, um, participants in this ecosystem that are gouging, misleading, doing all these different things that you guys have talked about, uh, tons of different conversations around. Um, and yeah, on the operator side, like, you know, sports betting is a lead in for like a bigger part of their business, which is iCasino and all this other stuff. So to me, my hope is that it's, you know, it's enhancing sports. There's all these other things that they're propping up. I hope that they don't just gouge people. They take small percentages, which most bets are like, if you're just betting sides or whatever, like, you know, you're losing at a couple percent. Um, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, the same game parlay, some of the big is outrageous. I don't think it's necessary either. Like people are going to lose and it's a great product. And like, I don't know, uh, Rufus, I'd be curious to hear your, your perspective. I, I think my main point broadly though, is that it's a great entertainment product, which I think is like the main value of sports betting. Oh, I, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think that we can get in this echo chamber of sort of people that are looking to make a living on betting and kind of lose sight of what it actually is. And I think, I do think for the ecosystem to be healthy, there needs to be a reasonable chance 
for someone to feel like they, like they can win. And so I think, um, I do think managing the VIG and sort of making it, I don't want to say a beatable game, but like allowing people to bet for longer, not to lose as quickly is important. But I do think, um, I, I do agree that, that you do need more innovative products. I mean, and to that end, I mean, think about, you know, let's say someone knew nothing about sports betting, but knew a lot about sports and they came in and they were like, what the hell does minus 110 mean? What does minus 150 mean? You know, um, I think there's a lot of things that are, I guess, just there's a bit of a learning curve if you aren't already in this industry. And I think that's one thing actually sport trade is, is kind of trying to capitalize on with their pricing structure, which is they're using, um, they're, they're using zero to 100 scale, like predicted it's a contract. It pays off hundred if it wins zero, if it loses. And so, you know, I, I don't, I think there's a lot of people that also are saying like, Hey, I'm used to American odds. Give me American odds. Um, and actually unabated, we're going to have a thing where we pray, where you can see the price in American odds on our odds screen if you want. But, but I do think it's, I think they are trying to tap into a different market. And I think that's always a good thing, um, just to try to expand, expand the industry. I feel like this episode should get sponsorship dollars from uh, Sport Trade, from Unabated, and from Underdog. Because hundred <laughs> yeah. percent, we need to get Underdog in, guys. This is a real conversation. Get Underdog to sponsor. I think that's like, I mean, they're sponsoring a bunch of pods, and this would be this would be great. Yeah, well, we I know you guys have never taken sponsorship. Either. We're 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 no longer uh, we no longer own our full podcast. Okay. Yeah, we'd have to talk to our uh, partners on this. Oh, our, Underdog our pays well. What's that? I, I think under, underdog it's... pays pretty well from everything I I've, I've heard. Well, so are they? Is uh is are any of those people going to be out at G two E? Because I, we should talk about our wonderful dinner that we're planning and yeah. potential golf round. So yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I would like. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I, I am I wouldn't, super biased towards them, so not. Uh, I'm not trying. To I just wouldn't. I wouldn't them. mind meeting with some of them, Peter, if they're around. Because I'm around yeah. from Tuesday to Thursday, and so yeah. I mean, maybe we can meet up with them after dinner. I don't know how much room we'll have at dinner for for the common folk it's really just the the sports betting royalty that'll be allowed to be there so um oh shit i'm not gonna be allowed huh no rufus there's always a spot for you (laughs) uh switching gears i would love to talk and get your opinion on this whole poker thing that's happened obviously as a poker player who's been following this and um you know maybe maybe you can sum up a little bit about what happened if someone haven't seen hasn't seen the videos but it, it it does um bringing up an interesting uh, sort of conversation that we can have to conclude about like ethics and betting and gambling and whatnot. Yeah, no, uh, we have multiple cheating scandals going on, which is fascinating. We have the the poker cheating scandal and then I'm following the uh, um, chess cheating scandal as well. And then there's the fishing scandal, which maybe wow. you guys know. the fish, the fishing one, that's not even a, I mean, that's, that, that's just blatant cheating, dry, right? not a scandal, like just blatant putting cheating. lead balls in the fish's stomach weight yeah crazy that all of the we have all these things happening right now people are definitely cheating out there um the chest one is really interesting there's just a wall street journal article on it we can save that for another pod but that for anyone out there that wants to go down any of these rabbit holes that's another big one but the the poker one specifically has gotten a, a ton of coverage um you know I, I know joe ingram really well um doug polk's obviously doing content like everyone has an opinion on it and it's like gone super viral, like even outside of like the poker and like gambling communities. Um, so of course everyone has a take, basically there is a hand, um, 
the board was like uh nine nine ten three uh two clubs the pro uh went all in with seven eight of clubs so open-ended straight flush draw and then this uh this woman i'm her name's eluding me right now but Robbie, uh, Robbie. yeah she she calls with uh jack four which makes like basically no sense uh the, the like her calling with that hand and that big of a pot uh didn't didn't really make sense um so there's speculation that she misread her hand there's speculation that she was cheating and basically everyone has an opinion on it i, I want to definitely kick it around i know rufus you've tweeted about this a lot jeff i haven't i don't know if you've maybe i missed something but i don't know how much you've weighed in on this yet uh but my view originally it was like 80 20 that she was cheating and then it was like slightly skewing towards 50 50 that she wasn't cheating and now i might be like 60 40 she didn't cheat 70 30 that she didn't cheat um i'm 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 changing my mind constantly and like every time i feel like i get more conviction towards one side i've like kind of moved back um so it's a really complicated situation um i <laughs> i don't think it's that complicated I think a poker pro like lost uh, to a sort of a nonsensical play, someone potentially on tilt and kind of made an accusation and, you know, there's no way to prove a, there, there's no real way to prove innocence in that regard. Like Peter, if you said that I'd murdered a bunch of people, how do I prove that I didn't? I know that is really, I think it's really, I think it's really unfair. And I think if you accuse someone like that, I think you need to have some proof to back it up. Otherwise you're just maligning somebody's reputation. And I think that like in this situation, there's absolutely no evidence. And I think if we look at it from a Bayesian perspective, I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely that there was cheating. That's that's, and I think it's, I mean, personally, I, I, what I see is people in this sort of poker echo chamber of sharp poker players that think a certain way. And they think that everybody thinks that way. And that's not the case exactly. And so, Yes, it doesn't, people do things that are illogical and don't really make rational sense all the time. I mean, I, hell, I do when I play poker. What's your review, I mean, Jeff? I, I used to play in a game with Phil Helmuth, and I remember he would get so pissed off when people beat him and they were calling him in situations, especially like calling in situations that made no sense, right? And so I do think like what Rufus said, um, one of the smartest things he said, which is that like, you know, like, there is this poker eco chamber or there's just like we we as like relatively intelligent people think differently than the rest of the world like poker really good poker players think very differently than the rest of the world and so for for her to have made an error or a mistake or like to to your point like just played poorly and somehow won i, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility right yeah. And I don't think anybody should ever have to defend why they made a play. I mean, you, you know, you don't have to say why I call, why you called. What, yeah. what do you, was there it any truth yeah. to this idea that she offered to give him some of the money back? Like yeah, I read she something. Did. She, she did give the money back. He asked for the money. Why, back why, did, we, why, did, why did she do that? If she was innocent of anything, like, isn't well, that, I, see that, see that, that was maybe? one where why, I why would you do it? Same... Even if you were cheating. Okay. So I was originally, when the money was given back, I'm like, huh, that's fishy. She probably was cheating. But now I actually think her giving the money back, it makes it less likely that she was cheating, which is really counterintuitive in certain ways. But like a cheater oftentimes isn't going to like, it. the cheater oftentimes, I think just wants the money and is, you know, okay with the cheating is less likely to give it back. My view on what she would, like her main motivation at this point was she was just trying to dunk on Garrett, who's obviously 
a really well-respected great player and like her whole goal and if you watch a lot of the footage was just to own this garrett guy and then she realized like maybe she misread her hand this is the part that's still there's like so many different angles that you can take but my view is at the end she's like i don't want this like now she knows that like cheating's part of this and she you know obviously got accused by garrett so i think she just wanted like nothing to do with the situation um at the end but it's yeah there's really sharp people on all sides that have different opinions here so I, like i i have trouble being highly convicted one way or the other at this point still but i think if we i mean i think you kind of have to look at it from a bayesian perspective and sort of you can't ignore the base rates here and the fact that like how easy is it to cheat in something like this versus how easy is it to make a bad decision playing poker but the cheating, and I guess that's your point, is in the echo chamber. I mean, a lot of, I mean, there's been tons of cheating in poker for a long time. And a lot of people are talking about Postle, whereas like the court of public opinion, 100% cheated. I would bet my life that he was cheating, like literally, like my wife, like my daughter, my wife, like it was just crystal clear that he was cheating. Um, okay. But, but how many instances of this are there really? And I know there's a lot more than you think. Say, there's I, a ton I, of them, right? But there's yeah. also a lot more people making dumb decisions playing poker yeah you don't get to see all the dumb decisions and you hear no, about you the don't because they're not all televised point. yeah it's a really it does, complicated it does seem pretty bold it does seem pretty bold to cheat in a televised event right it's happened though <laughs> it's happened a decent bit and yeah I, there's all these different things people are talking about the it, the reason that so many people initially it, it really her call doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all unless she had jack three like if she really knew her cards and that's where i was originally struggling it's like i really feel like she looked at her hand so many times like you can she knew what your, she had you can look at your hand and still like i've done this before and thought that something was a different number like you yeah. just it, it's in your do you know what i mean it's not like and she had know, jack three the previous hand too i believe which is i mean how bad detail. a player it, how bad a player is she is she like a bad really bad player that doesn't really know what to do or is she like a reasonable player that this made no sense for it could, polarizing at times seemed like she was competent and other times she didn't and that's the, you know another thing people look at she played three sessions a lot of people think she's horrible how did she win all three sessions? I think that's a BS argument. It's super small sample. Um, but there are there are some things like the, the chair vibrating was one thing everyone was pointing to. I mean, there's a, there's this so is, much content out there. sounds like freaking QAnon right now. It's like, can we, can we uh, are we going to go? I don't go, think it's as extreme as what you're- Can we go to Pizza and find Hillary Clinton and, and the pedophiles? Rufus, I think you're dismissing some, like people have done this. There's a large incentive, but I'm I'm more on your side now, just broadly. I no, just think I, I mean, it's, look, it's look, hard to a, have conviction there's clearly a chance she cheated. I can't, you know, but there's a, there's a chance that like I've murdered multiple people, I guess. Right. I mean, no, there, well, I guess I could, if I was, you know, maybe what's like, the base rate talking. on that. What's the right. base rate? My, like it, it, right. And though those two were very differing likelihoods, but my point is that, um, or at least from your perspective, I would guess. Right. I, I mean, I know this from my perspective, just like Robbie knows this from her perspective, but, but um, my point is I mean, is that it's so hard to you can't prove your innocence of something like that. Yeah, no, that's and super that's, true. It's and it. that's why these QAnon things keep going on. And so I think this is kind of an you know an extension of that. And if someone wants to bring up a cheating thing, like they should have some evidence behind it, or there should be an investigation, and then they can like you know, and then they can make a decision. But people just speculating on this doesn't do anybody any good, in my opinion. Right. It's, a, it's, I mean, it was, you know, it went, it spread like wildfire and people love it. I mean, these cheating scandals, the chess thing, have you guys looked into the chess thing at all? 
It sounds like we should because yeah, you really the chess thing is fascinating. I'll send it on the Wall Street Journal. Basically, um, this 19 year old kid beat the best chess player in the world, um, has been a known cheater online. Um, and there's all this like super nerdy uh, analytics being done, models, regression, because obviously in chess, like, you know, I could be the best chess player in the world with my cell phone, right? Like the AI in chess clearly beats the humans every single time. Um, and there's a lot of easy ways to cheat on like chess.com and whatever else. And of course they're monitoring it. And it, anyways, um, Magnus Carlsen, the best player in the world has talked about how it's like in his mind, it's like the thing that can really destroy the game of chess. And it's just because it's so easy to get access to playing perfectly with AI. And, uh, you know, he's withdrawn from every tournament that this guy's in and like went out and tweeted that he thinks this person cheated him when they played in, in a tournament. So it's really, really interesting. And um, there's a whole bunch of content on it. But that, the poker, the fish thing, like we got all these cheating scandals. Spent way too much time on the internet with this lately. And none of them are sports betting. There you go. Yeah. All right, yeah. we can we can we can let you go, Peter. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time this week. Um, we uh, look forward to seeing you next week in in Vegas. Um, hopefully, the three of us will all be together breaking bread and um, breaking eighty. Um, maybe that'll be the thing. See yeah, I, I, I feel highly confident that we're gonna we're gonna break some bread. Breaking eighty is gonna be challenging for for the group, but uh, we'll have a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Huge fan of the pod. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So that was our interview with Peter Jennings. And because we're such professionals, we actually forgot to ask Peter the new seven questions we're asking each guest. But hopefully Peter maybe will hear this and can answer it on Twitter and we can do some fun marketing with it. But instead of asking Rufus, uh, sorry, Peter, those questions, we're going to ask Rufus. And then one day when we forget to ask a guest, Rufus can ask me. So seven questions. Funnier, Rufus or Jeff? Jeff why um i mean jeff thinks he's funnier and <laughs> i don't think that's the question the question isn't who thinks they're funny or the question who is funny okay, uh, look, okay, we'll look, move on. it's i i think i think funny is all in terms of um you can be funny with somebody else and not funny with some with another person so but i'm gonna go with jeff i think uh, jeff has has a dry sense of humor that i appreciate smarter rufus or jeff Definitely Jeff. That's like I mean, ridiculous that you I think, would say that, but no, no, no. I think Jeff, like Jeff, you're Jeff is you're a brilliant big picture thinker. You could see like the like I'm I feel like I can be good at like see like getting in the weeds like in the middle of the forest, whereas you you can kind of see the forest from the trees and you're a much better big picture thinker and um a business mind than I am. Least refa- least relatable food that you like. That I like. I mean, can we just go back to the, the those muscles for the snack? I mean, I feel like that's the best, can, right? The, canned the smoked, muscles. Smoked, smoked muscles. Smoked, smoked canned muscles. muscles, whatever. Uh, favorite gambling moment? Favorite gambling moment in my life has to be the my first Super Bowl working with the Appalachian, Appalachian State Group, whatever you want to call them, the syndicate that I started working with in 2009. That Super Bowl, I just remember fourth down, um, Peyton Manning had a, this was garbage time because the Saints won 31 to 17, but uh, it was the Super Bowl between the Saints and the Colts. Peyton Manning had a fourth down throw to Reggie Wayne that fell incomplete in the end zone. And we had all these bets on Wayne under 
receptions and receiving yards and no touchdown and he would have gone over and we had exactas on on New Orleans to score exactly 31 and the Colts to score exactly 17. We had under on Peyton Manning touchdown passes that won as a result of that. Like that was the end of the game. And it was, I just remember jumping on trains back and like, it was just this moment of pure joy. Favorite bet you are making in the next year. I wish I had remembered what these questions were so I could have been more prepared. Favorite bet I'm making in the next year. I was going to say, the Orioles to win the world series, but I'm not actually going to bet that that's, that's the favorite thing to root for, but that's not a bet. You know, how about this? I'll just say John Rom. I'll just leave it at John Rom. I'll probably be betting on John Rom for things. Worst loss you've ever had. I've said this in the past, but I think this isn't the biggest loss, but it was sort of the big most tilting was Kyle Stanley blowing a three shot lead on the final hole. Of, I remember um, that Tory Pines in the 2012 Farmers Insurance Open. All he had to do was double bogey. Um, he was in the fairway. It, it's a par five. He was in the fairway with 100 yards, uh, 100 yards left in two shots. He could have putted around, you know, putted it in from there and made a double bogey. Yet he hit a great shot, but overspun it, went into the lake and made a triple bogey and then lost in the playoffs. So that was, that was definitely the, the worst emotionally for me, I believe. Either that or Adam Scott blowing a four shot lead uh, with four holes to go to, to lose the British Open to Ernie Els. That was, that, that was another pretty tilting one. Person you'd follow blindly. Jesus, Buddha, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh. Are we talking gambling or not as a question? I, I'm going to go with Kadam Morton. I'd fo- follow Kadam Morton blindly Who's uh, from Kadam a non-betting Morton? standpoint. He's my spiritual guide. Oh, that's the guy, uh, guy you met uh, on the plane? No, no, no. no. Kadam Morton is like my favorite Buddhist teacher. Oh. He's, he's a, he teaches at a, uh, at a KMC, a Kadam meditation or Kadampa meditation center here in New York City. He's the East, Eastern, wait, the spiritual director for the East coast or something like that for the, uh, for the new Kadampa tradition of Buddhism in Got terms it. of betting. I don't really follow. Like I, de- I generally won't piggyback on people. Um, but you would follow, you would follow. But there are people I would follow for sure. Like I, I, mean, I, I would, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say Billy Walters because you could be getting a, uh, a dummy play. Who's everybody's answer. Everyone's answer to this question is going to be David O. That's my answer. Actually, yeah, that's true. I, I wasn't even, yeah. I mean, David O is, is the sharpest person in sports betting that I've ever met. So, yeah. Yeah, David O, that's the answer. And yep. there's, there's no, that, there's that, no that other answer. That is answers. the correct answer. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Um, okay. So we now need to move on to the audience. Was that the last back. question? That's the last question. We got through Sweet. the seven very quickly. Do you feel like you were on the hot seat? Yeah, because I felt like I had to answer all these pretty quickly and also come up with something like witty or funny. And and I'm as we established in question one, you're funnier than I am. That doesn't mean that you're not funny because I have a high ceiling for funniness that, you know, theoretically. You have a high ceiling, but you have a low floor too. <laughs> I have a low floor. You're high, you're high variance in your humor. No, no, no. I have a very low floor. I, 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 would, I would agree Wait, with that. Did I say high floor? I meant low floor. No, no, no. I have a very low floor when it comes to humor. Like some shit just falls flat on its face. Um, but it doesn't stop oh. me. It doesn't stop yeah. me. 
No, my ex used to absolutely hate all my awful dad jokes. Dad jokes are good. What, what, when do you know a dad joke is a dad joke? If you don't laugh. When it becomes apparent. Uh, ha, 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 ha. You don't think that's good? Yeah, that's, that's an awesome dad joke <laughs> right there. One of the best questions someone put into Twitter by, from JD was, can you ask him to turn his microsoma up a little bit? My microphone? Yeah, just ask you to turn your microphone. Well, you know what's actually, Izzy just told me that I need to, because we don't have, I don't have the microphone in New York City. So I'm having to do this with like a Apple earphones mic thing. And so I've been told I basically need to yell into this. So I'm trying my best to yell. You're getting a more impassioned Rufus here. You just need, you need to be a little bit more animated. That's the bottom line. I will try my best. Uh, okay. Why do I yell at Rufus so much? Now that's not a question for Rufus. See, that's not, um, maybe, maybe the question is asking me why you yell at me so much. Why do I yell at you so much? I mean, I yell at you because you're very yellable at speaking of that, Jeff, we, I had it with, with the, the aforementioned person I had lunch with yesterday. He said something about how, and the, he loved he loved that when I would kind of go in detail on something in the past. And like this happened more in our older podcasts where I kind of just go down a rabbit hole of how I think about something. And, but now you just cut me off, but he's like, I'm probably only 30% of people that actually want that content. Whereas 70% of the people are probably like, thank you, Jeff, for cutting him off. So who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't. I don't really think. I mean, I think it's a. But you're fine protecting line. me for myself. I, I am, and I appreciate that. You're like, yeah, looking out for me. Yeah, um, trying to find the question. There was one that I really wanted to ask you. Um, let's pause this for a second. Okay, here's the question, Rufus. It's from at Ron Mexico 77777. I wonder if at Ron Mexico 7777 was taken when 777, why he went to five sevens. If your model likes a side pregame, why would it not always be played live if the other team scores first? The grammar here is a little weird, but you understand the gist of the question. Yeah. So if my model likes a game pregame, I'm probably not going to be betting it right at the closing line first off. And so, and I think Jeff, you oh, and I can both talk about this. because you're going to move the market. Well, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I don't have enough confidence in my football stuff to be betting it like into a closing line. Yeah. Now my golf stuff is a different story there, but I'm not, but certainly I'm not going to be. Well, let's, let's betting. just say, let's just say, let's, that, say, let's just say, let's say that you liked it on the, on the closing line also. Right. No, I'm saying I could still show value. My, my model could show value on something at the closing line, but that doesn't mean I'm still going to fire into it because I have enough respect for the market at that point. Typically. Okay. I don't think that's so, the answer to but, this question. But, but that's so, so the question is, but why wouldn't I, if the other team scored, um, I guess my point, like, and, and Jeff, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well, actually, but you know, it's an interesting question, right? You probably right? would still, you, yeah, it is a very interesting question. Yeah. And, and I think about this a lot for betting second halves too. And I think we right. could talk about that. Cause like when I bet second halves, I assume that the 
closing line is efficient. So I don't take into account my opinion before the game a single bit. However, you're, this is essentially saying, well, yes, like you could get more. It's a way to get more down, I guess. But I think that the point here is saying that, well, you're essentially getting the team at a discount or something like that. But how, how do you know that the other team is going to score first anyway? Right. I mean, I, I, I would so assume I that the market I, is I, I don't, I don't, pretty well alive. And so, I mean, what did, what's your take, Jeff? I don't think you're doing My take is that I think you're doing a terrible job answering this question. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I think that this asked me a better the, question then. The in-game bet is a completely separate bet where there are other variables and factors that would figure into your model. And therefore, you may not show value at that point, especially given, you know, a, a change in state in the game, right? Like we know that um, and we and the market's also going to react somewhat differently, too. Right. I think I think the first point that you made was a good point, which was that even if you bet a game pregame, you might not have liked it at closing line. That's interesting. Right. But I think the reality is that you can't just bet that blindly because the in-game markets just are very different than the pre-game markets and betting in-game is very different than pre-game. So you can't just bet blindly based on knowing what you were, what your prior in going into the game were. The, your prior going into the game should be one factor in your in-game model, but your in-game model is going to have a lot of other things involved in it that all of a sudden, um, you know, are need to be incorporated. Yeah, no, I think, think that's, that's a, a reasonable answer. I, right. I, I guess I was considering it as like, oh, essentially the game just started. You're like a possession into the game. And so it's probably not going to deviate a ton, um, but it certainly could. I mean, I do think in general, if you're live betting, a lot of times I think the there does where there tends to be value, at least according to people smarter than me. Um, and I know I think this is the case for second half, like betting half times too. So I think it reinforces it is there tends to be value in thinking things are not going to revert to the pregame line in a way. So like if an underdog goes up early, in essence, there's more value betting on them than betting on the favorite to come back. Typically, this is obviously not a universal truth or anything, but just like, it's like saying that there tends to be more value betting unders than betting overs. Yeah. Clearly not every under is a good bet, but I'm saying that's the way because people, that it's just the way it, it, that's because of biases in the way we humans think. Got it. I didn't know you were done. That, that that's when awesome... I stopped talking. That's keep, when I'm keep, done. Keep that awkward silence in because that shit's golden. Okay. Uh, what are you excited to watch this weekend or sweat on your phone? Is there anything? Oh, you probably want to watch baseball. The baseball playoffs start this weekend. No. That's exciting. Oh, no. Because the Orioles didn't make it. Sure. So I'm probably not going to be watching baseball as a result of that. I will probably not be watching much college football either because I'm trying to have a more balanced life. But I probably will be watching some NFL. And, But I'll tell you this. I have like, I have, I give like basically zero fucks about the Washington Commanders right now. And I'm saying that as like someone who grew up a diehard fan. I just hate that name. I just hate the organization. It just, you don't yeah. like Dan Snyder. Yeah. 
Um, I could say I mean, something. He, he was freaking taking a photo with Jerry Jones and posting it on their the team's Twitter account. Like, take a photo with your biggest rival, and like, I mean, I, he just does not get it. He gets how to make money, but not how to run a successful organization. Uh, this the Calcutta that we did in college football. I'm like really sad that you didn't really lean in on this because it is it is so fun to be ha- have these teams and like be sweating these teams all year long. It, it was one of the best things that we have done, and I think you know it'd be great next year. We're gonna make sure we do it and get more people involved. Um, because last week I had like awesome sweats with Georgia and Clemson, both basically rallying to to. Uh, keep themselves relevant. I I guess like I'm looking forward to Utah UCLA because I have, but I have both of those teams. So that's less exciting. I'm really excited about the blue angels because the blue angels are flying over San Francisco with fleet week. Um, In terms of NFL, it'd be nice to see the Patriots actually win a game. Um, But who knows if they'll do that. I I really wish Bailey Zappi were continuing to play, but um, yeah. That's my, my, what I'm looking forward to most is seeing the blue angels because I, uh, that's what I want to do. Okay. Now we have our pick of the week. We're both, we're both, I think we think one and oh, so I think that's good. We are definitely one and I'm definitely one and oh, and I believe I'm definitely one and oh, if you say you're one and oh, then I'm for sure one and oh also. What is your pick of the week, Rufus? I'm gonna let you go first here, Jeff, because I want to check make sure I'm giving a good line. Um, wow. Well, you're so you're just gonna put me straight up on the spot, huh? I'm gonna do that. Okay, interesting. Um, I think it'll be an NFL pick. And I think I'm going to take drum roll, please. Hold on a second. I am also checking the latest lines. Um I am going to take Baltimore minus the three. What do you think of that? Let's, what do I think of Baltimore minus three? Um, I lean that. I mean, I make it Baltimore minus three and a half. So I don't, I don't hate it. Okay. As long as you don't hate it. I don't hate it. How about you, Rufus? I am going to take. Oregon minus 12 and a half is a road favorite over Arizona. Nice. They are that um, it look, it's, it's, thir- it's 13 at a bunch of places. Actually, it's actually 13 at probably more books than 12 and a half. So maybe I'll say minus 13, but I will say Circa has 12 and a half. Um, Bookmaker has minus 13. Deck Prism has minus 12 and a half. Unabated consensus is minus 13, though. So, you know what? We're going to say minus 13 as a result of that. All right. Oregon minus 13. I love it. And for for now, that's our episode. And so um, thanks for joining us. Remember to rate us, download us, and subscribe to us on any place that you listen to podcasts, particularly on the uh, Apple iTunes store of some sort. Uh, with that, let's end the process. Rufus, we'll talk to you guys all again next week. And we'll be all be in Vegas next week, hopefully, if Rufus isn't so, if he hasn't found an excuse not to go, quote unquote. I'll all be right. there. I just saw another game that I was like, how the hell is this line where it is now? Is this episode not over yet? I guess not. <laughs>
What's the I wanna, line? Wait, can, I, can I add your... another? Can I add another game? Sure, tout. I well, I just uh, I just don't get this because there. I mean, Arizona State is getting a touchdown at home against Washington, and they're getting um, they're getting two cornerbacks back from injury this week. Um, they've been, you know, I think the market is shat on them because you know Herm Edwards got fired and they have an interim head coach. But I think it's a bit of a to me um, a bit of an overreaction there. Um, the line has moved against us in previous weeks, betting Arizona state, but I think they're getting healthier here. And so I, I mean, I, I, I will, I will say that we bet this actually at 13 and a half and it's now 14. So no respect, solid no 14, respect. but it's a 14. Uh-oh. I would take, I would take Arizona state plus 14, obviously, since I took plus 13 and a half. So, and, and that other one, the Oregon play, I, we took that at a, a better price. So, I mean, um, this balances it out. All right. Talk to you guys all again. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of Reddit.